0: The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said to him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe this because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Aren't hobbies great? Hobbies are sort of God's gift to us to help us enjoy life a little better, you know? And some people have really cool hobbies, you know, like golf or sewing hunting and fishing. Some people love to flip houses. They'll take an old dilapidated house and make it so much better. I mean, these are awesome hobbies. And oh, there's woodworking. I mean, I've always been jealous of people that can do things like that because their hobby actually accomplishes something, whether it be they create something or get exercise doing it, or maybe they, they just put food on the table. There's all kinds of great things, great outcomes with these hobbies. And while I enjoy some of these, i got to be honest, my favorite pastimes don't really accomplish anything. I mean, first of all, I, I love to play video games. I've played video games basically since they were invented long, long ago when the Atari was around. But I think I spend most of my free time quite honestly, doing something that my wife and I do enjoy doing together and that is binge watching television. Now this is sort of a recent phenomenon that, that's hit our society so if you don't know what it is let me explain. For me there's two things that I always hated about watching television. Number one, commercials. Oh my gosh, it seems like there's more commercials now than there's actual show, you know? And the second thing is, are the three dreaded words, to be continued. There is nothing worse than getting really hyped up and and finally there's about to be an outcome to this story that you've been watching for half an hour or an hour, only to see to be continued. And you know what that used to mean? It used to mean that you had to wait another week to find out how everything was resolved. If you were lucky... But ever since the show Dallas decided to, you know, with the whole Who Shot JR cliffhanger, everybody does cliffhangers now. And so if the season comes to an end, you got to wait an entire summer before you know what happens. Not when you're binge watching. Because when you binge watch something, it comes along with the advent of online television with Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and all those. You can watch one show right after the other, right after the other right after the other you don't have to wait a week you don't have to wait five minutes it's right there and when a season comes to an end guess what happens it starts a whole nother season in the blink of an eye and so binge watching is great you don't have to wait there's no commercials and you always find out what happens next and so I admittedly have spent a lot of time binge watching shows and I have binge watched tons of them Grey's Anatomy, One Tree Hill, Yellowstone, Uh, let's see, we've binge-watched Chuck, Suits, um, The Practice, we have binge-watched, oh my goodness, uh, Sons of Anarchy, Breaking Bad, you name it, we've binge-watched it. And so, my friends, I have a plea for you. If you know of any great shows that maybe I haven't seen yet, please Text it to me or send it to me in Facebook Messenger or post it on Facebook or, or maybe you can email me something because we're running out of shows here. Oh, yeah, and I left out Downton Abbey. We've already seen that one too. And so if you've got a show that you think my wife and I would enjoy, please let me know. And you know what? I'm going to get a response. I'm probably going to get quite a few responses from that. I guarantee you that by the time I look at social media again, people will have messaged me to give me suggestions on what to watch next. Because that's what we do, right? When there's a television show or a movie or a book or or a restaurant that we've enjoyed, what do we do? We tell other people about it. We can't tell them fast enough, can we? I mean, you know, I know what people had for dinner because of social media. They can't, you know, if they've eaten a good meal, they're going to tell people. If they've had a thought pass through their head, they let everyone in the world know exactly what they were thinking. So why don't we do this with our faith? You ever wondered that? I mean, we love Jesus, right? And we believe that we, we've been given the promise of, of eternal life. Isn't that right? So, these are pretty incredible things, wouldn't wouldn't you agree? Then, why is it that we don't want to tell everybody about that? I mean, these are the most incredible things that have ever happened to anyone, much less us, ever. And we'd rather talk about a book or a movie than our faith. Why is that? Well... I've come up with a diagnosis for this, something that I've called evangelophobia. It is the fear of sharing your faith. And it really comes down to three basic reasons why we're afraid to share our faith with other people. Number one, we don't want to offend someone else. Let's be honest, we live in the nation of the offended. It's not hard to offend someone's sensibilities, and we don't want to upset someone by telling them that Jesus loves them. You do hear how crazy that is, right? And then there's the second reason. The second reason is we don't want to appear to be some holier-than-thou Jesus freak. We're afraid that people would look at us differently like we're supposed to be holy and that we're supposed to live up to certain standards and that, you know, well, they saw me doing this and they've heard me saying that and how can I share my faith? They know I'm not perfect. ...as if anybody is. And then, of course, there's the third reason. We're afraid that they might ask us a question that we don't know the answer to. And so, instead of risking this, we say nothing. Because we have evangelophobia. But in today's gospel reading, we have the cure... In that reading, what we heard was that Jesus found Philip and said to him, follow me. And at once, Philip went and got his buddy, Nathaniel, and said, we have found the Messiah, the one who was coming. He is Jesus of Nazareth. Now, this is Philip's first attempt at evangelism, and honestly, it didn't go so well. Because Nathaniel's immediately response was, <laughs> can something good come out of Nazareth? And, I mean, I guess it would sort of be like us saying, can something good come out of Pelion? Oh, sure, there are fine people there and it's a nice place, but would you really expect the Savior of the world to come from a small little nothing town? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And at this... Philip had a great response. He didn't get into an argument. He didn't try to convince Nathanael of anything. He just said, come and see. Come and see. And so that's what Philip did. I'm sorry, that's what Nathanael did. He, He went to see. And then he found Jesus. And when he did, Jesus saw him coming and said, Here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Well, it's kind of confused, Nathaniel. And he said, where did you get to know me? Jesus said, well, I saw you sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. And this is where it gets kind of weird. Because at that moment, the same guy who was questioning whether anything good could come out of Nazareth, all of a sudden says, you are the son of God. The king of the Jews. What? How do you get that? All that happened was he said he saw you under the fig tree. That's sort of like saying, Hey, buddy, I I saw you at Walmart. Well, you must be the president of the United States. I mean, what is it in in those words that, that changed Nathaniel so much? That's puzzled theologians for centuries because, well, what was he doing under that fig tree? Was he doing something he shouldn't have been doing? Was he praying? Was he worshiping? What was he doing? In my opinion, I don't think it really matters what he was doing. I think what we're seeing here is a realization. Because Nathaniel went looking to find the Messiah. But at this moment... Nathaniel realizes that he was found. It's sort of like this. When our youngest daughter, Mary Margaret, was two or three years old, my wife Stacy and I, we were cleaning the house or something, and we realized that things were kind of quiet. And if you know Mary Margaret, even now, you know that that's not very common. And so... I went to look for her. And I went into her room thinking that maybe she was taking a little afternoon nap. But she wasn't there. So I went in my room to see if maybe she had gone to watch television. Wasn't there. I double-checked in behind things in the living room. She wasn't there. I went up into the bonus room upstairs. She wasn't there. We called out to our daughter who was playing with some friends outside. Hey, Rachel, have you seen Mary Margaret? She hadn't. Well... Panic started to set in a little bit. You know, we were going through the house calling her name and there there was nothing. You know, I was having visions of somebody coming in my house in the middle of the day and kidnapping my kid. And, And, you know, I was considering calling the police when all of a sudden we heard this giggle. A little girl giggle. And so we started following it. And it led us to our laundry room. But when we opened the door, there was nobody in there. But the giggle was there, and sure enough, there in the dryer was my toddler. I scooped her up and hugged her so tight, I almost had tears in my eyes because we had found this child who never knew she was lost. You see, that's what was going on, I believe, with Nathaniel. Jesus found him even though he didn't know he was lost. And at that moment, he realized that he had been lost the whole time. We live in a world where so many people are lost, and they don't even realize it. You know? I mean, people today think that they've got all the answers. You know, all the answers about how to run their own life and, and, and how to run their family's life and, and their neighbor next door. They know how, how we could fix the world's problems and what needs to happen in the country because we know the answers. But the truth is, they're lost. They just don't know it. And see... We don't know that Philip knew that Nathanael was lost either. But he was a good enough friend to invite his buddy to come and see. He didn't try to convince him of anything. He didn't try to, you know, explain why Jesus was the Messiah. He just said, come and see. And that's all it took. Because you see, Jesus is the one who does the finding. Now... I usually, when I preach on this text, talk to others and say, you know, you can invite somebody to come and see. (laughs) But in this day and time, that's not working so well because at least for the next while, if they come and see here at Pisgah, they're going to come and see empty pews. So we have something else that works in 2021. It's called like and share. And it's amazing. It's easy. And it's non-threatening. Because we don't have to worry about our evangelophobia when it comes to like and share. Because we'll like and share just about anything, won't we? We'll, we'll like and share a video about a, a dog that, that is snuggling with a cat. Or a, a picture that we find funny. Or we'll post an, an article about a, a politician or, or a government official. We'll definitely share anything about our favorite teams or, or a hobby that we may have. We like and share things all the time. But see, my friends, there are also opportunities to like and share things that are about our faith. That tell other people who may be lost that they too are found. That there's a God out there who loves them. That there's God out there who forgives them. There's a God out there who saves them. We don't have to explain anything to them. We don't have to argue about it. All we have to do is like and share. We put it on our Facebook post or our Twitter feed or or our Instagram feed. And it's just there. We don't need to worry about offending anyone. We don't need to worry about looking like a Jesus freak. We don't have to worry about anything. All we do is like and share. And let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Let the Holy Spirit work in these people to find the lost... So that they know that they're loved, they're forgiven, and that they're saved. We live in a lost world that so desperately needs to be found. And we can do our part. It's not hard. All we have to do is like and share. You can do it with this video, you can do it with Word for Wednesday, you can do it with anything that inspires you. Like and share. It can actually change the world. Amen.